It's summer, glorious, delicious, spicy summer. And just like your favorite summer hits, I'm bringing back some of my favorite episodes this summer from season one and season two. This month, I'm excited to share episodes that celebrate the delicious topic of freedom. So grab a cool drink, find a sunny spot, and of course, invite your friends to join in. It's time to soak up all of the replay rays on Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast. I am so happy that you have joined me today. The theme of today's episode, Becoming a New Person, Transformation After a Trial. This is a topic I love to discuss for so many reasons. I mean, really, what is more delicious, really, than feeling like a new person, than feeling like you have a new chance, a fresh start? After my divorce, I know that that's how I felt. And there's really nothing that can match that feeling when you have this new life just waiting for you and all the new things that you get to experience and all the new people that you get to meet. It just leads to so much discovery, which of course leads to so much happiness, right? I mean, I'm sure that you can name so many new things that that have come into your life since your divorce. Maybe it's a new skill. Maybe it's, again, a community of new friends. Maybe it's a new fun activity. Maybe it's a new outlook on love and relationships. I know that I definitely have a new outlook on, on love and relationships since my divorce. Maybe it's a new way of taking care of yourself. Oh, I sure hope it is. And maybe, hey, maybe it's a new podcast that you listen to every week, right? (laughs) I had to, I had to say that. But there's just so many new things to experience and to receive after a trying time, after a life-changing event. And this is why I am so excited. Can you just tell I'm so excited? You'd think it's the Thursday before Christmas versus the Thursday before Halloween. That's so excited I am to have my guest and my friend, fitness and sobriety coach, Grant Hansen share with you his journey to becoming a new man. Are you ready to be inspired? And you know, my, I have a new mantra. I have many new mantras since my divorce, but one of them is emotionally available men are everywhere. And men like Grant definitely reaffirm that this new mindset of mine is true. Now let's begin this heartwarming chat with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. Well, I am excited to ask my guest, Grant Hansen, who is a fitness and substance abuse and mental health life coach, some burning questions today. Grant is burning up in Austin, aren't you, right? Got the shorts on over there. I'm so jealous. All right, Grant, we have 60 seconds on the clock. Are you ready for your burning questions? We'll see, won't we? (laughs) They've been tailored just for you. Okay, here we go. Would you ever want to be a woman? Totally. What's your favorite feeling? Fulfillment. What's the best thing about being a dad? Getting to mold a human being. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love carbs? Uh, 12. (laughs) What's your favorite mantra? It's all temporary. What about turning 30 most excites you? Oh, Lord. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Grant Hansen. Okay, I'm going to go back to that question. All right, all right. Do sexy men journal? Absolutely. That's a good rhetorical question just for you. What's one thing you wish women understood about men? That uh, we can't be can't be tough all the time. Austin is a cool city because... There's a lot of opportunity here. Would you ever want to get married? Yes, absolutely. What is the best part of being a new man? Uh, That I get to continue to be new over and over again. Wonderful. Well, you and I, Grant, we have some history here. We have to tell the listener about our history. We go way back to August. (laughs) 
That's right. <laughs> we started connecting uh, last summer and talking about doing an Instagram live about why sexy men journal, which was so right. fun to have that conversation. I learned a lot about you and your journey with sobriety and your coaching. And I'm so excited to learn more about your story today. And I, I have I have a question before we share more about you and your journey. How is okay. the journey with journaling? How's it's been great. Been? Yeah. Because I know we did our Instagram live in September, and that was very well received. I received some great feedback about that from other men who tuned in. So thank you for doing that with me. Yeah. What have course. you learned from doing your journaling since we had that Instagram live? Anything you want to share with the listener and with me? I would say that for me, getting more into this practice, right, where we're trying to pin down emotions, especially that that piece of it is there sometimes it's difficult for me to differentiate between how I would like to feel versus how like the truth. What you, know you what really I mean? like feel? The, yeah, the actual emotions that are occurring. You're not alone. It was alone. the same thing like when I took the DISC assessment. You know what I mean? It was like trying to answer the questions truthfully, not just how my ideals. And you know tell the I mean? listener what the DISC assessment is. It's like a personality style. It's a type of uh, test. You know, there's, it, it just, there's not a good or bad outcome, really. Right. It's just telling you exactly the type of person that you are, how you show up, high D, high I. I'm a, so I, I kind of came out as a high D I um, is kind of where I fell, which I kind of knew, but it goes in a lot more detail than that. Right. And so I'm still kind of going through it because it's like a 20 page report. Uh, so I'm trying to get a, an, another coach to kind of go through it with me so I can kind of, you know, utilize it and, 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 and take it forward as I grow in business and in my personal life. Do you think with the journaling, it's just more of a repetition and practice and, and the more that you like anything I know you're a fitness coach, like in like doing reps. We talked about this in our right. live. The more you do a rep, the stronger you're going to be, the more you build that muscle. Of course, of course, journaling, meditation, any of those practices, I think people think that they have to see results after just a couple of days. And if they don't, they just, oh, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. And there's more of a commitment involved in that. And I think another thing that I learned is that with the intention right? Setting intention. I learned this a lot, like with my inner dialogue. If you're, if you're not being active in setting your own intention, somebody else is going to set your intention for you. It's going to be set one way or another. And if you're not an active participant in that, then it's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Same thing with my inner dialogue. That voice is going to happen one way or another, with or without you. You can either choose to can, to be intentional about what that dialogue says, or it's going to run away with you and say whatever it wants to say. And I think your self-awareness, I find it so refreshing, especially for someone who's just turned 30. Again, happy <laughs> birthday. I love my you. 30s, Grant. I think your, 30, your 30-something years are going to be so good to you. How long again have you been a recovering addict? How long have you been sober? In, in July 15th was my uh, was my seven year anniversary. So it was July 15, 2014. So I celebrated. So yeah. And how did your sobriety connect you more to your emotions? Well, I guess the the part of the easy answer to that question is that I couldn't hide from them anymore. You know, it's they all came bubbling to the surface and you got to deal with them. You can't continue to run from them forever, you know? And I guess for, uh, getting permission from, from people, people letting me know that it was, that that was okay. It, Cause I guess it briefly, I thought that was a sign of failure that I wasn't doing something right to have all these emotions. Like I thought everything was supposed to be great. And somebody's like, no, man, like you've been kind of running from all this stuff for so long. Of, of course, it's all going to come bubbling to the surface. Now, now you got to look at it. Now you have to face it. And that was a really liberating a journey for me, you know, especially as a man. I want to hear more about that. I mean, that's, I guess that's the heart of our conversation today. One thing that I find so uh, beautiful about you is that you are so curious about your emotions and you find them to be so valuable and powerful. And I'd like to hear more about how you've learned to 
change your inner voice around your feelings and your expressing your emotions. I'm curious about that. Sure. Well, I guess for me, it was, it was, uh, and I guess, you know, everybody eventually gets a chance to go on this journey where you have to start to decide for yourself what things you believe to be true because other people told you they were true and what things you believe to be true because that's your actual conviction. You know, that's what you believe. And, and sort of differentiating those two things was, I mean, it's almost an identity crisis mm-hmm. uh, in a sense, you know, because a lot of these, a lot of these things are told to you by people that you look up to and admire. And so I really had to start investigating for myself and using my emotions as more of a, you know, I guess somebody told me early on that my emotional state actually is usually not the best indicator of how I'm actually doing, you know? And so really looking at it from that standpoint and going, okay, you know, using it as almost like a radar, if you will, you know, I'm experiencing these emotions and then I start to ask myself, okay, why am I experiencing this emotion right now? Sometimes it would line up with the situation and sometimes it wouldn't, you know? Um, and so when it wouldn't line up with what was going on, then it would make me even more curious. I would be like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. This emotion that I'm experiencing doesn't line up with anything that's really going on. Why am I experiencing this? You know? And so that would lead more into journaling, more into inventory practices and more into just curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's a, that's a stance that it's beneficial for everybody to take. It's not like something's good or bad or wrong or right. It's just become curious about it. You know, okay, well, why is this this way? And then you talk to other people who've had the same experience, and then you can kind of collaborate and be like, okay, great. Well, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. <laughs> you know, not at all. Um, yeah, it, it's just not. It's a never-ending journey. I feel like you know, you're never going to get the answer. It's just as soon as you think you do, then more is uncovered, and you just continue going. You know. Do you think your curiosity around your own emotions has allowed you to feel more curious about others? Yeah, it just provides a. I mean, I don't. I don't know how anybody could go through that journey and not develop compassion. And You know, you just you develop a level of empathy and compassion because then you're like, well, dang, if I'm having this experience, then other people must be too. Right. You know, and and it's hard sometimes because people do things that you find objectionable or that maybe directly affect you. And it's hard. You know, me and my brother were having a conversation the other night about a child in his neighborhood who's been causing a lot of problems and bullying other kids. But you have to stop and ask yourself, okay, well, there's way more there. He's not just yeah, he's not just a bad kid. There's more there. He's hurting, and, probably. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I almost cried. Just sitting there like, I know what that feels like. You know, like maybe he doesn't have anybody he feels safe and going to, mm-hmm. to communicate those emotions and those things that are going on because he doesn't have anybody in his life who's done that themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So did when you were younger, w- would men in your life communicate their emotions? Who modeled that to you? Women? Was it more um, women in your life who modeled that to you? Who modeled that to you? Well, I, I will say that I feel like my grandfather, I, no, nobody, nobody necessarily told me that it wasn't okay to display my emotions, but I don't remember having any men in my life who were intentional about doing that. My grandfather was very, he was very machismo, very you know, the patriarch of the family, always in a loving way, not in a bad way, but just, I never saw him get overly emotional. You know, he's very philosophical in the way he would explain things, but it wasn't until I got older and it was not anything to do with my family. Family. It was around totally different people that I finally got this courage. And when you when you experience, especially another masculine man who who outwardly doesn't look like they would display much emotion, and you see them do so, you're like, huh, you know? Well, I want to know more about that. 
I appreciate you saying that. You know, interestingly, I had a father who expressed a lot of emotions. And so for me, what I learned as a child is men do cry and men do express themselves. And so as a as a woman, it's been uh, difficult or challenging when I've engaged with so many men who have who don't have that comfort level. You know, for me, the question is, how do we encourage more men to connect that way? I mean, do you, do you think that one reason men use substances is because they don't know how to connect with their emotions? And and they're using that as a way to cope. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think anybody has the 100% reason why some you know two different people can go through the exact same set of experiences, and one becomes a drug addict and the sure. other doesn't. And I, there's a lot of theories, and there's a lot of progressions, you know, and as far as the research, but nobody has the for sure answers. I definitely think that's part of it. It's not, not an addiction, though. It's just coping. Exactly, it's like a way of exactly. coping. I think what you said applies both to women and men, though, not just men. You know, I think that not being able to find a healthy way to communicate mm-hmm. uh, our emotions um, can lead to that can manifest itself in whatever, you know, drug addiction, unhealthy relationships, overeating. Codependency. Uh, even, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just how it manifests, the, 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 the root cause may be the same. The way it manifests out here as far as symptoms go may be you know, all over the place depending on the individual. So for you, when you were talking about meeting this this individual, this man, was that when you were going through your, your treatment program or when did you meet this person in your life? Well, I met more than one person over different periods of time. It was more about when I was ready. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of people who planted a lot of seeds along the way um which again all have all have you know blossomed late at different times in life and and finally i think there was just a point in my life when when i was just finally ready i was so broken sure that Brass, what does that mean to you i was so ready ready to heal ready to grow ready to learn more about yourself yeah there was no well there was just no eat like you know people always ask me well what made you change what was the thing that made you finally change grant like because they have loved ones they want answers right sure the simplest way I can ever answer that is just to say that it was a total collapse of ego. And that's how I became ready. And what I mean by that is there was no more ego around being embarrassed about sharing my emotions or how people would think about me because it was like, okay, well, people already think a certain way about me because of the way my life looks right now. Like, so what do I have to lose? What am I going to embarrass myself a little more by sharing my emotions? And so when I finally found people, groups of people who were doing that and doing it in a healthy way, I, uh, you know, let me say that because I think there's a difference between being vulnerable for attention and being vulnerable because you're trying to get to a solution. Sure. You know, you're trying to be helpful. And there's healthy somebody. forms of, of self-disclosure, right? I mean, you exactly. and I have known each other for a few months. And right. since we have rapport, I'd feel comfortable telling you more about myself. I think that's right. just healthy self-disclosure. So right. that makes sense to me. Right. So you were ready to be vulnerable is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, and I had been ready. And I think most people I interact with are also ready. They just, there's a certain level of self-disclosure on the other end that has to take place for them to be like, oh, well, if this person can disclose right. these things about themselves, now I have permission to do that, you know, and you can kind of do so. You can, depending on who it is you're talking to, you can decide which parts of your story are the most appropriate to disclose at that time. You don't want to just dump everything, you know, because they may not relate to certain things. Sure. You and know? you're doing that more now. You're traveling and telling right. your story. Can you talk about right. that for a minute? That's so exciting. Yeah. So for the last, you know, since I've been sober, I've gotten, you know, opportunities to go speak mostly just in the rooms of recovery or at treatment centers and that sure. kind of stuff. And 
That's fantastic. As I kind of got into entrepreneurship and personal development and the business side of things, I just um, I had enough people that were like, oh, man, you should do some speaking. And, you know, you, and you've seen I put out a lot of video content and yes. I, I, it was just an outlet for me. And I just started to kind of put it out to the universe. So I just started to speak it like, hey, I'm interested in getting like officially involved in public speaking. And the moment I started putting that out there, I started getting leads. People started contacting me. Hey, we may have an opportunity for you. And it really wasn't even about getting paid or not getting paid. It was just like, I, I know this will lead somewhere if I just put it out there. And I landed my first paid speaking gig. It's going to be in Salt Lake City and, and it, actually next month, like a month from tomorrow. Um, so and what, have just, you, what have you noticed when you are sharing your story? What's the reaction you're getting? Depends on who I'm sharing it with. I mean, I get I get a great response. I try to kind of tailor my story a little bit depending on who my audience is, know who I'm speaking to. But people are usually very moved. But I try hard to share it in a way where people can take it and they can start to implement some kind of change because people message me all the time and say, oh, my, you know, you, that video or whatever it was, you, know, you inspired me, you motivated me. And then my question, and I don't mean to sound rude, but I'll be like, okay, well, if you're so inspired, what did you do differently after you watched that video? And right. if the answer is nothing, then I'm like, and I'm like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? Because I don't want you to just get all warm and fuzzy and then continue on. Oh, but that's I their journey, to- don't you think, Grant? You can't motivate someone to act. Well, yeah, I guess it all depends on the person, you know, but that's my goal. My goal is to get people to act. But they have to be ready just like you were, don't you think? That's true. That's true. And I and I realized that there are some times where I'm just planting seeds and yes. the seeds may not blossom for another yes. few years. Yes. You know, I love that metaphor. Yeah. So you and I were fans of Brene Brown, and mm. she talks a lot about vulnerability, the V word, as I like to call it. How do you view vulnerability different now in your, and now that you're 30, maybe than when you did in your 20s? You've been 30 for what, two weeks? That's right. Well, no, I've been 30 uh, today. <laughs> Today's your birthday? Today is the, my birthday, yeah. Grant Hansen, happy birthday uh, to you. you. <laughs> well, this is a big special day. I feel so flattered that we're doing this chat on your birthday. So Absolutely. you're turning 30, so you have a decade behind you in your 20s. So how do you view vulnerability different now than you did in your 20s? I'm going to go back a little bit to when I mentioned there being, a, right, we talked about healthy disclosure and unhealthy disclosure. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm kind of learning. And I know that when people are just starting on that journey, they may not, they'd be, be all over the place. And you probably see this in clubhouse a little bit you know where people sometimes get on and they'll just go this is what's going on for it yep yeah blah (laughs) you know and you gotta you know what i mean like you have to there's gotta be safe spaces for people to do that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but kind of where i'm at now with it is i do like to see people that like i love to see people encourage people to be vulnerable but it's not that black and white right i i like to see people to encourage people not just to be vulnerable but to learn how to do that in a constructive solution oriented uh manner you know and I, i feel like if there's no if that's not if you don't include that piece then what is the what's the really the the point what's the end result going to be you know i mean sometimes people can re-traumatize themselves by doing that with there being not the correct space being held or the correct intention being set for that two people can get together and just share their trauma and they just re-traumatize each other it's just nah you know it's not good um and so that's that's kind of where i'm at you know with it right now trying to figure out what what's the constructive piece around the vulnerability to keep creating the change you're wanting is that what i'm hearing right 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 where somebody needs like how far along in that journey growth wise does somebody need to be before it's appropriate to start kind of coaching them on like how and when your people in recovery we do that all the time we as soon as we get sober we become zealous about and of course how, how couldn't you be you you just basically have averted death 
you know, so you just want to tell everybody, oh, hey, have you met me and my story? But there, there comes a time when you have to think about when is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? How to do this correctly? So it's not attention grabbing or it's, you know what I mean? Like just there's a lot of context there, I think. Um, and that's but that's my opinion. There are people who disagree with me. I've had people who verbally disagree with me in Clubhouse. We've talked about it, and they'll be like, "No, share your story with anybody and everybody." I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know. That's just not my opinion these days. When it comes to vulnerability and the men in your life and the men that you haven't met yet, what would you like to say to those who maybe aren't as uh, comfortable with vulnerability like you are? That I get it. That I understand it, and then it, and then it's okay. You know, I don't think there needs to be this expectation placed on how soon people need to become comfortable with getting vulnerable. I think that our jobs as people who work with those people is just to hold the space right. and be encouraging and supportive and let people, I feel like in my own journey, it was very important for me to feel like I made that decision on my own and not that I wasn't coaxed into doing sure. it. Forced. And so I feel like that's what I try to do is just kind of, I try to share my journey and be a, a lighthouse. You know, you, you've heard that right. analogy, yeah. I'm sure. Beautiful. And, and just show people that it's okay. And in their own time, when they feel like it's okay for them, they can share it. So, you know, that's my message. Don't feel in a hurry, just consider it. And when you're ready, you know, I think you'll find that there's more people than you realize that are willing to, to listen to your, to your story. I know my divorce gave me what I would call a new life. I definitely have transformed as an individual. I like to say the 2.0 version of me. And I know that you have that same experience too with your sobriety, the 2.0 version of, of yourself. When it comes to your your future on this path, like what are you most looking forward to, Grant, with this new life you've created for yourself? You know, that's, um, that's a good question. Uh, I think just, um, you know, these days I've become so much more focused on the journey rather than just the end result. And I, I just this idea of process over product, you know, and, and I think I'm discovering at least the thing that I cherish the most on this path is the other people that I encounter on this path, the relationships I get to develop with people like you. Right, right, right. Who relationships is, is like the most important thing uh, on this planet to me because being my own journey is, is great to look back at my own journey. That's amazing for me to see, but to be a part of somebody else's journey and get to watch that transformation happen for somebody else and know that you had just a little bit to do with that. I mean, that, that there's nothing that compares to that for me, you know, that that's top, that's top, top of the line right there, you know? Yeah. I've noticed with this podcast, you know, I started uh, the podcast just because I wanted to talk about life after divorce and the happiness that I've experienced. And I would completely agree with you. I've met so many amazing people. Yeah. So cheers to that. And yeah, happy absolutely. birthday to you. Well, 30. You. Yeah. You're going to love it. <laughs> well, I am excited for you, Grant Hansen. You are such a bright light. Talk about a lighthouse in this world. Thank you for your story today. And thank you for thank just you. all that you give the world. Of course. Thank you as well. Now, how can the listener find you and your coaching and the fitness and, and, and all of your fun uh, conversations that you have and Clubhouse and all of that? Is it on social media or do you have a website? Yeah. So uh, on, on Instagram, it's just fit.wit. Dot grant and then websites are, are uh, fitwithgrant.com and then as you know I partner with uh, an organization called Recovery Club America and so that's just recoveryclubamerica.com and that's going to be a whole I'm super excited about that platform so you can go check out the website and see what all they're doing you know mental health recovery coaching all that good stuff we're about to start a podcast matter of fact we're doing an Instagram live me and two of my brothers every Friday night if you ever want to hop on and join okay. us okay alright I appreciate the invitation um, yeah absolutely and I'll have all of this information about Grant in the show notes, listener. So please look at all that. Right. All right, Grant, will you go have the happiest birthday? 
I sure and will. enjoy Thank that you. journaling too. I love it. I will. All I right. Will. Thank you, Grant. Thank you so much. I want to thank Grant again for his wise and encouraging words. He's such a humble person, such an inspiring person, and he's only 30. He's only 30, ladies. I know. This is why I love millennial men. Love them. Thinking about millennial men and emotionally available men in general always makes me feel happy, which is why it's the perfect time to share a tip to happiness with you. Say these tips to happiness. My tip to happiness this week is I want you to tell your story. Your story is powerful. Your story is inspiring. Just like Grant's, your story matters. Your story will bring someone encouragement. It will bring someone support. It will make someone laugh. It'll give them some reprieve from maybe a bad day. So I want you in some way, shape, or form this week to tell your story. Even if it's just writing a letter that you never send, even if it's just Simply a quote on your Instagram page that you resonate with that tells your story in some way, shape, or form. I want you to do that. Post it. Maybe you can tell your story through being a guest on a podcast like Grant did today. I want you to find a way this week to tell your story. I know I want to hear it and I know others do too. Thank you again for joining Grant and me today in this heartwarming chat about being a new person. And I am so glad that you are a listener of this podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. That would mean so much to me. And also be sure to visit the website at www.divorcedandhappy.net and be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. If you found value in today's episode or maybe you've been listening to the podcast for some time now, I would love it if you would consider buying me a cup of coffee. It is so easy. All you have to do is visit www.buymeacoffee.com backslash Sadie Marie and you can buy me a cup or two online and I thank you in advance for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I cannot wait to connect with you on the next podcast episode. Until then, I want you to share your story and of course, take good care.